Hello. The Bible book of Micah says, Do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with God. That's in Micah 6 verse 8. This is Search for Truth, your Bible teaching program with Bible teacher Brian Johnston. We're told by Micah that this is what God requires of us, to do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with him. Amazingly, God has also equipped us with the will and the mental and moral capacity to do what he requires. But the atheist doesn't believe in God. And in this series of talks, Brian discusses incredible unbelief when believing in nothing means believing in anything. So where do atheists say we get our mental and moral aptitude from? Now, study number five today, and the subtitle is The Origin of Mind and Morality. And here's Brian to delve into the discussion. Thanks, John. A fig tree produces figs, not apples. That seems obvious. It's also true that physics and chemistry produce physical and chemical outcomes. However, mind and morality are not just matters of physics and chemistry. Sure, creatures that are physical and chemical have mind and morality. But how did such non-material things arise from the material? This is a serious problem for those who believe only in time and chance, as the more candid atheists admit. The origin of mind and morality from energy and atoms has long been a problem for them. In fact, it's a major theme of philosopher Thomas Nagel's book, Mind and Cosmos. Atheists have no sufficient cause to explain the existence of mind and morality. It's as if magic just happens. But someone may say, morality, at the end of the day, just boils down to doing to others what you'd like them to do to you. Nothing more than that. Okay, that's a good start. But I think I've heard that somewhere before. Indeed I have. It's found in the biblical teachings of Jesus in Matthew 7 verse 12. But tell me, if we're only here because of some cosmic chemical accident, why should one chemical accident even care about another? And yet we do. There are loved ones you care about. And it's the same for me. Ah, but you come back and say, morality is just an electrochemical phenomenon in the brain. Really? Chemicals do what chemicals do. Nothing morally right about it. I once heard someone reply, I've got chemistry going on in my stomach, but I'm not relying on my indigestion to set my moral compass. Someone else, however, might say that a sense of morality is built up from societal conventions. Well, Nazi Germany set its societal conventions, and I hope you don't think that was just as valid. Again, others may say, morality is just down to parental brainwashing. That does seem rather short-sighted, doesn't it? For we need to ask, where did your parents get their sense of right and wrong from? Let's think for a moment about our conscience. Here is what the Apostle Paul has to say in the Bible, Romans 2 verse 14. For when Gentiles who do not have the law, do instinctively the things of the law, these, not having the law, are a law to themselves, in that they show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience bearing witness, and their thoughts alternately accusing or else defending them, on the day when, according to my gospel, God will judge the secrets of men through Christ Jesus. Many everyday expressions in the Western world have come from the Bible in its King James Version form, 
And what we've just read contains an example when we read the words, a law to themselves. Interestingly, when we hear people being accused of being a law to themselves, it seems to be generally implying that they're rebellious and out of control. But that's not how the Bible uses it here. In fact, it's the very opposite. Paul was saying that it was to the Jews that the law with its Ten Commandments was given. These commands weren't formally given to non-Jews or Gentiles, But even so, when Gentiles end up doing, by instinct, the very things which the law commands, then they are demonstrating that the same law has in fact been written on all of our hearts. So it's correct behaviour that's evidence of a hidden law, written not on external stone tables, but actually inside us on the tables of human hearts. And will you notice, please, that Paul describes it as the law, It's God's law. This law, written on human hearts, is the basis for our conscience. And it's this that shows that we are moral beings. It was Immanuel Kant, the 18th century German philosopher, who said, Two things fill the mind with ever new and increasing wonder and awe, the starry heavens above me and the moral law within me. From the atheistic point of view, Apart from negative social consequences, there's really nothing basically wrong with many socially unacceptable things. Things like when a man rapes a woman. Because without God, there isn't any absolute standard of right and wrong which imposes itself upon our conscience. Without God, morality becomes nothing more than a matter of personal taste or social conditioning. This is exactly the point many people have pressed on me in conversations about faith, when, as mentioned before, they try to tell me that our attitude to something like rape basically only comes down to what our parents and society have taught us. You've got to then ask them where their parents got their values from, and where their grandparents got theirs from, and so on, all the way back to the first ever humans. And at that point, it's a problem. For blind forces of nature can't explain the origin of any absolute morality. The late J.L. Mackey of Oxford University, one of the most influential atheists of our time, admitted, and I'm quoting, If there are objective values, they make the existence of a God more probable than it would have been without them. There is, he said, a defensible argument from morality to the existence of a God. Notice his words, a defensible argument. On the other hand, Paul in Romans has just said atheists have no defence for their claim that there is no God. So Paul locked horns with the atheists and we're faced with a clear-cut choice and it's one we can easily put to the test. Here it is. On the one hand, the word of God says objective moral values really do exist, and deep down we all know it. On the other hand, atheism says objective, absolute moral values don't exist, while admitting that if they did exist, that would give the game away. Richard Dawkins agrees that rape is wrong, but concedes that in arriving at that view, his value judgment is every bit as arbitrary as the fact we've evolved five fingers rather than six, he says. We quote Professors Mackey and Dawkins only so as to give assurance that atheists 
as well as Christians, agree on this as a fair test. It's fair and accurate to judge the question of God's existence based on judging the question of the existence, or otherwise, of objective, absolute moral values. So then, suppose you take a group of people and ask each of them, do you like vegetables? Some will say, I like vegetables. Others will say, I don't like vegetables. And that's fine. It's a subjective thing, a matter of personal taste. But what if instead of asking the question, do you like vegetables, we were to ask, is it okay to torture children for fun? You'll surely agree that we've crossed a boundary line. You wouldn't expect the same group of reasonable people whose personal tastes on vegetables varied to show the same spread of opinion on this question, would you? But why not? Because, I submit, that this is no longer a subjective matter of personal taste. We've moved on to an altogether different matter, one that's an objective matter of right and wrong. One famous writer, C.S. Lewis, illustrates the difference by making this comparison. He said, The reason my idea of New York City can be truer than yours is because New York is a real place existing apart from what either of us thinks. On the other hand, if we were trying to compare ideas about some imaginary city, then neither idea could be truer than the other because there's no basis for any comparison. Our first example about vegetables was like that. But returning to our second example of torturing children, the reason why we'd agree that one reaction is truer than the other is because a real standard of absolute morality exists, apart from whatever happened to be our personal tastes and preferences. Torturing children for fun is not a morally neutral act. It's an outrageous moral abomination. It wouldn't matter in which culture we performed the experiment. We've identified a consensus on morality which transcends culture. Actions like rape, torture, child abuse and so forth aren't just socially unacceptable behaviours. They're moral abominations, things which are absolutely wrong. Similarly, love, equality, generosity and self-sacrifice are really good. And the point is this. If objective values cannot exist without God, but we find that they do exist, then it logically follows that God also exists.
I hope you enjoyed today's study talk and I'd like to remind you there's a transcripts book of all the talks in this series together with supplementary material which would be helpful if you want to pursue further study. So please let me remind you how you can freely receive a copy. First, it's available online. You can obtain one by downloading it from churchesofgod.info forward slash media. Alternatively, you can write to us and request a hard copy book be posted out to you. Just ask for the title Incredible Unbelief. And don't forget to include your postal address. You can use email or the post and here's our address. Search for Truth, Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wootton Bassett, Swindon, SN48DY, UK. Our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. Now, we've almost come to the end today, except to say many thanks indeed for the pleasure and privilege of your company. The discussion of this series is continued in the book which I just told you about, because next week we'll begin another new series, God willing. So do join us if you can, same time next week. But for now, it's goodbye and very best wishes from our Bible teacher, Brian, our producer, David, our singers and me, John. So see you again soon. And in the meantime, we wish you God's richest blessings. Amen.